to all of my wonderful, wonderful listeners out there. Happy Halloween to each and every one of you guys. Welcome to a special Halloween edition bonus episode of Rock the Dragon, a Dragon Ball Super podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Tim Bridgewater. Yes, this is a bonus, guys. I know what you're thinking. This is weird. This hasn't happened before. Well, I figured it was a good opportunity for me to try something a little different, right? Seemed like the perfect timing. It's not completely unheard of. You remember back on episode 25, sort of a benchmark, sort of a uh, you know milestone in terms of episodes. So me and Steven Nocentelli did a bonus review at the end of that, uh, just to give it uh, you guys a little something extra, as well as it being sort of a little uh, miniature um, Geekly Dose reunion. Once again, I used to host a podcast called Geekly Dose. We talked about everything geek. Also, a podcast called Republic City Report, which was a Legend of Korra podcast. Both of those are still up on uh, Stitcher.com as well as iTunes. So, here we are. And I know what you're thinking, right? We didn't get an episode of Dragon Ball Super this week. What's going on? This is unexpected. This is a surprise. Well, surprise, guys. Surprise bonus episode of podcast here. Obviously, it's not going to be about Dragon Ball Super because we didn't get an episode. Um, but it will be about season two of Stranger Things. Um, I got the idea for doing this actually yesterday <laughs> as I was watching the final episode of season two of Stranger Things. And of course, once again, since there was no episode of Dragon Ball Super this past weekend, I was just not going to do any episode and we were just going to pick up next week. I mean, that's happened before, but I just started thinking, I realized, you know, I was, I was, I finished watching this, the, the season right as it coincided with Halloween. Plus we didn't have a, a, an episode of Dragon Ball Super this past weekend. Plus today's Halloween. Plus I've been trying to do special Halloween things for you guys anyway, in case you haven't noticed that you go back and listen to the beginnings of the past three episodes. Uh, so I figured I would do this. Uh, I figure that it stands to reason that I have some listeners out there who are fans of Stranger Things. Um, so this is for you guys. Obviously, if you have not seen Stranger Things at all on Netflix, uh, seasons one or two, well, this isn't for you. This is just a bonus for those of you who watch the show. Okay, this review will contain spoilers. So if you have not seen it yet, you do not want to listen to this. Okay, I just thought this would be something fun to come out and release on Halloween, give you guys something to listen to until we pick back up with the next episodes of Dragon Ball Super. Okay, which we will do very soon once it once it's back. But I just thought that this would be kind of cool. Now, obviously, this conversation um, is not going to be, you know, an ongoing sort of a conversation. So any questions or concerns or anything like that that I may, uh, you know, say here about some things maybe that I didn't understand about the season or something like that. Uh, you can send me an email at rock the dragon podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to, there's also going to be a Facebook post about this specific episode over at facebook.com slash rock the dragon podcast. And you can leave a comment there, but I'm not going to read your responses on the podcast because, well, this will probably be the last time we talk about stranger things on rock the dragon and dragon ball super podcast. Um, if, this episode gets enough attention. Maybe I'll consider doing a podcast for season three of stranger things. Whenever that happens, I don't know. Don't, don't hold me to that. I'm just throwing that out there. 
I was thinking of the possibility uh, of names for it, though, just in case that did happen. Um, I thought Hawkins AV podcast might be a good one. Someone could already have that. I don't know. I just fucking thought of it. <laughs> so maybe I should just trademark that or something to copyright that just in case. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, if I pose any questions and things and you know the answer, by all means, you can send me an email. It'll just help me out. But for the most part, I'm just going to kind of, you know, give my thoughts on the season, talk a little bit about season one. Um, but I'm not really expecting any answers for it. And once again, if I do get some, I'm not going to read it on the next episode of, of Rock the Dragon because it just won't make any sense. Right. And then I don't want to ruin it for people who haven't seen it yet. And if they're coming back to just listen to hear me talk about Dragon Ball Super. OK, so this is just something fun. It's a little something bonus for you guys. So I hope you really enjoy it. As always, feel free to head over to iTunes. Leave me a review there. Uh, I don't have any new reviews. I don't have any emails either. So it kind of works out. <laughs> this just happens to be a very dry sort of a week. Maybe it has something to do with Halloween. I don't know. I didn't have any emails and have any uh, any reviews. So it seems like the perfect time to just talk about something else. So that's basically what we're going to do here. Okay. So at this from this point on, spoilers for seasons one and two of Stranger Things. Okay, so I'd be curious to see how many of you guys out there are Stranger Things fans, okay? So I'm not going to necessarily break down season one in its entirety or anything. I'm going to assume that you all have seen it, right? So I'm not going to necessarily, you know, explain everything. I'm just going to kind of give my thoughts on what happened this season. And I will tell you a little bit of backstory on it. Uh, Stranger Things season one is a show that I watched pretty much uh, immediately when it was released. Um, you know, I didn't, obviously nobody knew anything about it. This was before I wasn't one of those people that came along later after it started getting a bunch of hype. I watched it from the moment it hit Netflix because it just seemed like something I'd be interested in. Uh, I was born in the eighties. Okay. I'm really a nineties kid, but I was born in the eighties. I say I'm a nineties kid because that was, that was when I was actually like an adolescent, right? So more of the things that I identify with in terms of being a geek and a movie fan and a nerd and all this kind of shit is more so from the 90s than it is the 80s but i was born in the 80s right so a lot of this stuff is still very familiar to me so if you get me a show you put me you know in the 80s with kids and they're doing they're cussing and they're doing shit and there's science sci-fi going on it's probably something i'm going to be interested in because i grew up watching a lot of films like that obviously this series was heavily inspired by a lot of the early spielberg films stuff like that you know et comes to mind goonies comes to mind you know any movie like that where you had a, some kids going on an adventure together and getting themselves into a lot of trouble and having to figure their way out of it with some kind of a sci-fi or adventure element added into it. It's exactly what this show is and I feel like it was captured in one of the best ways possible in season one. Uh, I loved season one of the show. I thought it was great. Obviously it took off, became a very huge monster of a show. I don't know if anyone predicted that that would happen. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it took off and before you knew it, it was embedded in our pop culture. All of a sudden, everyone knew who Eleven was. Everyone knew about the Demogorgon and the Ego Waffles and all of that kind of shit. So it's already accomplished a lot in terms of, of, of sustaining relevance and pop culture. And I think that'll be one of those things that'll remain for a good amount of time. Uh, the question is here, 
does season two live up uh, to the the to the same sort of hype and and uh, sort of magic I feel that season one managed to accomplish? So let's just kind of get into it. Uh, I'll start off by saying this, okay, and then I'll break it down even further for you guys. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed with season two of Stranger Things, okay? That's not to say that it wasn't good, okay? That's not to say that it was bad or that it wasn't good or anything. It was awesome. It was good. But compared to season one, well, it, it was kind of a letdown, okay, to me. And I think what actually probably um, made it even worse for me is that I rewatched season one of the show uh, like the night before season two debuted. Now, you may be thinking, well, that's a good thing, man. You refreshed your memory on everything. You didn't have to try to, you know, guess at anything. It was fresh in your head. But what happened was, is I think it, 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 it was, I had, you know, season one was so fresh on my mind that going directly into season two just made the differences between the two that much more prominent right they stood out more because i had just seen season one and it may have not been the best way to watch it because i was immediately comparing it to everything that i had just seen whereas had i just waited you know and just not rewatched it at all then the just the excitement of seeing these characters again and seeing them reunite in certain instances and stuff like that might have been enough to give me a much better feeling about what I was seeing, thus making the experience much better. You know, I think it's funny, people don't really acknowledge that kind of stuff, and that's part of this, that's one of the problems, I think, with this Netflix model, this Netflix sort of generation that we live in now, is that it's so easy to watch these shows and binge watch them that things, you don't retain the um, the knowledge of it as, as well. You know, it's just like cramming for a test, right? You just cram for a test the night before the test, the next morning, yeah, you'll probably remember everything. You'll probably pass it. But a week later, you won't remember any of that shit. Yeah, and that's why it's better to learn things over time. I'm, so I'm kind of a fan, a bigger fan of shows that come on once a week. But, you know, times have changed now. Netflix has changed that. I'm not complaining about it. Binging stuff is good, too. Being able to watch everything back to back to back. But for that reason, you know, that's why I decided I had to go back and refresh my memory on season one. It's because, well, when you binge watch something, it does, I feel like you don't main, you don't retain it as well. Okay, So I did that, but it may have ended up kind of hurting my experience because, once again, I went in immediately comparing it to season one. Now, what do I mean by that? What did I not like about season two? Well, I'm just going to go ahead and just kind of jump into season two and we'll talk about it. We'll talk about every character that I can remember. I'm sure I'll forget something. I'm sure I'll fuck something up, but <laughs> just bear with me here. You know, this is just a little bonus something for you guys. I hope you enjoy it. Okay. So, you know, what we were remember from season one, you know, obviously there was the discovery of the upside down and there's this other world and then. Uh, Eleven has powers. She basically uh, transfers the Demogorgon to the Upside Down. Uh, or he, I'm sorry, she destroys it. Um, now, I, I should say this, and you guys listen to this show. You listen to Rock the Dragon Podcast, so you already know. If I say something on mistake or it's wrong, trust it's a mistake or I'm just wrong. <laughs> OK, I'm talking. I don't I'm not pretending to be. I'm, I don't know the Stranger Things world nearly as well as I know the Dragon Ball world. And some of you may be like, well, damn, you, that, that doesn't mean shit because you don't know Dragon Ball. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm just this is just me kind of talking as a fan, but I'm not I wouldn't consider myself a diehard fan. 
Okay, so I'm bound to mess something up and there's bound to be some things that I miss. I just missed completely. And that's not to say that they didn't explain it in the episode because they may have. Okay, I just may have missed it or I may have misinterpreted it or maybe it wasn't clear to me. So just keep that in mind as I point out these problems that I had. Doesn't mean it's not in there. Doesn't mean it wasn't explained. Just means that I didn't catch it or I missed it or it wasn't clear, etc. Right. I mean, you guys, you know, the, 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 the rules by now. <laughs> OK, so, yeah. So ba basically we're, we're left with season one, we were left with somewhat of a cliffhanger. I mean, I think it was it was probably closed ended enough to where if they weren't greenlit for a second season, they probably could have ended it there. But it was it was enough of a cliffhanger to be like, OK, you know, if this thing comes to a second season, we'll have a good idea of where it's where it's leading. And one of the main things that we took away from the end of season one was that Hopper uh, was obviously somehow knew uh, that or had an, an, an indication that Eleven was still alive because he was leaving her Eggo waffles and food and stuff like that in this little box in the forest. Okay, so we we knew that at least that that was a possibility there. But most importantly, I think because this obviously drives the entire plot of season two is that even though Will Byers was rescued from the Upside Down. Uh, he was still sort of having these moments where he would find himself kind of um, transferring back and forth between the, the the regular world and the upside down. OK, there was the moment where he was uh, standing in front of the mirror and, you know, he was like brushing his teeth or something. And then all of a sudden he was in the upside down again. He flashed back. He threw up this little whatever the hell it was. And so we knew that, OK. You know, this this kid, he came back and he wasn't going to be the same as he was before he went. So that with with the revelation of 11, as, as well as that, you know, that's pretty much where we pick up with with season two. Now, I want to say this. So we're talking about Will. Uh, that character obviously didn't have much to do in season one because, well, he was missing most of the time. That is completely different here in season two. Will is a major character, if not the main character of this season, which was kind of cool, right? Because it was almost like we were getting a new character, even though this kid has been around, you know, we didn't get to see him do much in season one. And I feel like he was definitely uh, the standout uh, of this season. You know, I mean, geez, the, the hell that they must have put that kid through. I mean, if you watched it, then, you know, I mean, every, you know, he had to essentially play two characters throughout most of this thing. And there was a lot of emotion and a lot of intensity and a lot of screaming and yelling and crying. And then he had to be happy and sad. And it was just a lot of range of emotions throughout these nine episodes. And I thought he did an incredible job. So first of all, I want to say that. Uh, and so the entire arc, you know, that he kind of goes through and throughout the season, it's just great because you sort of watch him slowly start to um, lose himself even more and more to what is revealed to be the big bad of this season, which is, of course, they refer to it as a shadow monster. 
um, it's the big spider looking creature thing from all the from the posters and the trailer and everything we do find out about that thing you know obviously they're not going to explain everything we still don't know exactly what this thing is or what it wants but they do kind of flirt around with some of the solutions and that and of that kind of stuff this season you know there's some theories about and what i, I kind of like about this game is that these kids are are, are are geeks right so a lot of their knowledge that they <laughs> use in order to um sort of decipher these things that are happening to them in real life come from playing Dungeons and Dragons. So, you know, they just kind of figure, hey, okay, well, you know, it's it's another world and it's this being in the other world and he's trying to devour our you know our world because that's what he does. You know, he they, they find a way into other worlds and decide they want to try to just take over him, which a lot of times it's just all the motivation a villain needs. I mean it's nothing really kind of new about that. Okay. So Let's just kind of start with some of the characters and we'll kind of break down some of the events that happen as we talk about them. Uh, Will's mom, Winona Ryder, um, Joyce Byers. Uh, you know, everybody's kind of in a good place when the season starts, you know. It, it actually takes a couple episodes for everything to kind of really get moving, which I thought was a little bit weird, too. Um, I felt by, uh, you know, I, I feel like somewhere around four episodes in is where things start to really kind of pick up. Uh, but it, it's kind of challenging, right, because now you've got... You're on season two and you're having to show where everybody has been since the end of season one. This season takes place approximately a year later. So enough time for things to happen and develop and for these kids to sprout a few inches because they're all taller now. <laughs> they're all closer and closer to puberty if, if, if some of them hasn't hidden it yet. Uh, so you're just kind of catching up with everybody for a while, which is cool. But, you know, once again, they, 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 they don't hesitate to remind us that Will is basically not OK here. But we get to catch up with our characters and they're essentially still in school. Uh, our main guys, um, Mike, Dustin, Lucas and of course, Will. Uh, and then we also have Nancy and Jonathan, who uh, were everybody i think at the end of season one was kind of shipping those two together well i mean for good reason for good reason i mean they flirted around with the idea of them ending up together but she still ended up with steve um which i don't think anybody wanted that but at the same time you know steve very much had a sort of a redemptive arc in the first season so he started off as kind of this dick and by the end of it he was kind of a good guy so he almost didn't even feel bad as bad with her ending up with him uh, well, they pick up right where they kind of left off with that here. Um, Nancy and Steve are still together, but obviously it doesn't last long. You know, you start to get these impressions that she doesn't feel the same way about him as he does about her. Um, you know, and, 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 and then we all know as viewers that it's mostly because, well, she went through this traumatic experience and kind of bonded with Jonathan. And it's kind of hard to, you know. To, to get past something like that you know that's a person that she experienced so much stuff with and it's like they'll always kind of have that in common so of course they're still drawn in each other and, and then at this point steve has become a good enough guy to where we start to feel bad for him <laughs> i start to feel bad for steve you know they have this moment where they go to this party and she gets and nancy gets really drunk she tells him hey something about you think we're in love or yada 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 and he you know and and he, he essentially finds out that she probably doesn't feel the same way about uh, him as he does about her okay meanwhile uh events happen that to that bring jonathan and nancy back together throughout the season too one main 
thing being this mystery of what happened to Barb, which I feel like was they didn't have to fucking <laughs> I don't think they had to you know, the whole Barb thing became really huge after season one for some reason. That became this big thing and I don't understand. I mean nothing obviously the actress who played that character was great and the character was what she was from when she was on screen, but I don't really I mean, I, I guess I don't understand necessarily how that became such a big thing. But because of that, well, you know, the Duffer brothers, the directors and creators of this thing, apparently felt like they had to uh, use a big part of the storyline this season, focusing on getting justice for that character, which I mean, it 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 does make sense to an extent because it shows that um, that character meant a lot to Nancy. So if she would have just kind of ignored all of that, I guess it would have made her character look a little bad. But at the same time, we as the audience, we didn't know Barb that well. So it feels a little bit weird that we're getting so much focus on uh, them kind of making this remedy for her, her death. Um, but I mean, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. It wasn't the worst thing. So that's kind of where their arc is. And there's sort of a love triangle sort of a thing happening with them for the most part. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of going on this mission to, to, um, to pretty much, you know, try to find a way to explain to Barb's parents that she's dead because her, their, her parents are suffering. They don't know. They just think she's missing. Right. And they mention the fact that they hired this private investigator and that just kind of starts this whole subplot that kind of leads to a resolution in the end, but we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, Hopper course right uh the 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 chief of police uh we find out that 11 and hopper have been together this whole time for a year he basically found her in the woods uh brought her back found a cabin he's been taking care of her this whole time looking out for protecting her not letting her go out trying to sort of make sure that she's safe and because obviously there's still people out there that would love to get their hands on her, right? So he's doing what he thinks is the best. It's a very interesting sort of dynamic between them. And honestly, it's one of my, I, I, I actually really, really like the relationship. I thought that was one of the coolest things about this season. Um, all the time they kind of spend in the cabin talking and just kind of, you know, you have to kind of remind yourself that because this is something that they didn't really emphasize until the very end of, of season one. And that was that Hopper had a daughter that died from like cancer. So you can kind of see the parallels. He kind of gets a second chance here with Eleven. And he's kind of looking out for her in sort of a fatherly sort of way. Because, you know, in some way, obviously trying to make up for, you know, the, the death of his, his actual daughter. And not only that, uh, Eleven's kind of in the same boat. The last father figure she had turned out to be a pretty bad dude, <laughs> Papa. Um, who last we saw appeared to have been killed by Demo Gorgon, but it was never actually shown or confirmed. And I think they mentioned a couple of times this season that he was actually still alive. Um, so we get that sort of dynamic between them, which kind of ends up being a cool thing. Now, Eleven's journey through this. Oh, this, OK. And, and this is kind of one of my main problems with with this season. And is that, you know, Eleven doesn't even meet up with the rest of the guys until the end of episode eight. And I honestly was not expecting them to drag that out that long. You know, I mean, 
I guess it kind of makes sense, you know, in, in, a, in a way, because you want people to keep watching because you're just anticipating that reunion between her and Mike, you know, and but they I think they took a little bit too long with it. Um, but at the same time, right, you know, it's kind of one of these weird things because uh, because she was off by herself for so long, we got more character development out of her and she started to look into her own past and, you know, she started making asking questions about her mother. Um, which I thought was an interesting thing. And, and, you know, she, she, she finds her mom and visits her mom. And, uh, and as a result of all of this sort of research that she's doing, um, she realizes she also, there's also a number eight too, right? Which was actually the very first scene of episode one, which kind of caught me off guard, you know, because we went from season one of just seeing nothing but trees and back roads and cabins and shit. And all of a sudden we're thrown into uh, an urban setting. Right. So it just right off the, the bat, it didn't feel like Stranger Things because of that. But then again, it's what a Stranger Things feel like when we've only seen eight episodes of this series at this point. You know, so the series is obviously still trying to find itself and try to f- and, and expand out. Um, but it, it, I'm not going to pretend like it wasn't a little jarring to see that. And, you know, obviously it's this scene and we, we find out that there's another girl out there uh, called number eight, basically, um, which is something is a concept that I always kind of thought about. Even when I saw season one, I said, well, if she's 11, then there's got to be a one through 10 somewhere. Right. I mean, I mean, it doesn't have to be, but it stands to reason that there would be. So they kind of answer that question here by saying, yeah, uh, there's a there's a number eight and she has abilities, too. Now, at the beginning, it's not entirely clear what that ability is. And I wasn't I was a little bit confused when I first saw it uh, because it looked like she had telekinesis just like Eleven. But, um, you know, it turns out later that she can make people see what they want. So, you know, there's that now. Although I, I, I like the idea of that. Uh, we don't even revisit that into the very almost, you know, what episode seven or something like that. So it feels it's just it's a very weird sort of juxtaposition to go from seeing that at the very beginning of episode one and not seeing it again until episode seven. You know, there's something about the pacing and the sort of structure of this season that kind of bugged me too. you know, stuff like that. And, and once again, like I said, keeping 11 away from everyone else <laughs> to the very end, you know, I mean, it, it, don't get me wrong. It makes that moment that much more powerful when she shows up. It's like a badass. But it, I just still I think it took a little bit too long. I mean, one of the best things about season one was the dynamic of having everybody together as a group. And the kids were split up a lot during this season. I mean, don't get me wrong. They had their moments where they were all together, but there was a lot of, of splitting up. And that's always kind of hard to swallow when you have kind of established uh, a scenario uh, or a, a, a season, a story that kind of revolves around a group of characters. Right. So then they start to split up, split up. And it just it kind of takes away that that feeling that you had when you first saw it. Um, there's a lot of complaints, you know, about the, anybody out there who watches The Walking Dead. That's something that has been an ongoing complaint throughout the history of that show. Is every you know every now and then the the characters something was split up and they kind of have their own episodes. Now it didn't bother me as much in The Walking Dead though because I I, I don't know for some reason you know I, I can see the appeal of having them all together, but 
if they don't split up, then they don't all get their own character development, right? At least not as good as it possibly can be. They need that character development so that whenever one of them dies, you care about it, right? So I can see why they would split them up a little bit here um, to just kind of give characters more time to shine individually. I feel like we got a, le a lot less Mike Wheeler this season too, which I wasn't a fan of. I mean, I, I fucking love that character. Um, and it, we just, I just feel like we didn't get as much of him. I mean, it, I could, that could just be me though. I don't know. Somewhere out there, some nerd has calculated the amount of screen time that that character's been on, and it may it may be the exact amount as season one or more, for all I know. But it just felt like less, you know. And and I can't help but wonder if there were external reasons for this kind of stuff, like all the characters kind of being separate, because a lot of times with uh, production, there are other reasons that play into how a show plays out, right? And just for argument's sake, if I had to guess, you know, obviously after season one of this, all of these kids blew up all of a sudden. You know, I imagine they're getting calls nonstop, getting uh, opportunities to audition nonstop. Obviously, Finn Wolfhard, who plays Mike Wheeler, was in Stephen King's It recently. Um, the actor Caleb, who plays Lucas, was in a new edition story recently, which I watched on BET, which was awesome. I don't know if any of you guys are old enough to remember new edition <laughs> they're a little bit before my time but i actually love that group and i love that movie but he was in that and obviously um 11 is having a lot of millie bobby brown is having a ton of opportunities and so is dustin henderson who plays uh, i'm sorry gaten gaten something uh, a lot of so you know sometimes people's schedules are so hard to arrange you can't get everyone together so then you start making you start writing scenes where you don't need the other actors there I'm not saying that that had anything to do with anything. I don't have any sort of inside knowledge on this. I'm just sort of speculating because I can't understand why they would, they would have split everyone up as much as they did this season. Um, because while we did get some cool moments of them being by themselves, I don't feel like it really contributed much in terms of character development because these are kids. It's not like they have these big epic backstories like The Walking Dead where you can take a character who's in their 40s and, show, and, 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 and de dedicate a whole episode to them because they went through all this stuff, <laughs> okay? So it just felt very weird that they would kind of split everyone up as much as they did. Uh, so that was another thing that I just wasn't a big big fan of. Now, uh, we did get some new characters. Obviously, we can't forget to mention that. Most notably, the character of Max, okay? Who... Uh, I really liked a really awesome actress. She was she's pretty kick ass throughout the whole thing. I can't no no arguments there. Uh, her brother, on the other hand, <laughs> her stepbrother, Billy, played by uh, Dacre Montgomery, who, you know, any Power Rangers fans, you recognize him. He plays Jason Scott in the new Power Rangers movie. Um, while while, you know, a very, I guess, interesting character to be on screen, I felt like he was 2000 percent unnecessary. Um, unless I'm missing something, he didn't contribute anything to the plot of the season at all. I mean, the dude just pretty much showed up and was just an asshole. And at the end, he got, you know, beat up and like knocked out with a needle and that was it. I mean, I, 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 I the whole time I'm wondering, how is this guy going to tie into the plot? How is he going to affect what's going on here? You know, I mean, I, I even found myself wondering at some points, was he 
somehow tied into the upside down maybe he was possessed or something but no the dude was just a straight up asshole but he didn't really serve a purpose um at least max served a purpose i mean not only did they get some more you know estrogen in in the group um she provided sort of a some somewhat of a love-ish triangle between her and lucas and dustin so that kind of affected their relationship in a little bit and also you know the one moment where we wanted and we expected 11 and mike to reunite in the in the gym uh of course 11 decides to not say anything because she sees max with mike so she also affects that as well as doing some cool stuff later on you know i feel like they were really just kind of setting her up to be you know more important in the future once again her brother felt completely useless um let's not forget we also got bob played by sean astin of course um who certainly affected the plot a lot you know more than i thought he was going to you know he was such a good he was such a <laughs> that character is such a fucking nice guy that you find yourself wondering if he was a bad guy too you know you're thinking like okay is he is he a plant was he sent here by the electric company or, or Hawkins, uh, whatever the hell that company's name was, you know, to, to spy on Joyce? And then, but no, I mean, the dude just ended up being a really good guy who actually really helped them out in the end when they were making the maps and everything. And of course, when they were navigating their way through the lab towards the very end of the season, trying to escape from Demogorgons and etc um now speaking of the demo gorgon something that i something else i wasn't crazy about here is obviously um this whole sort of subplot that dustin had when he found the baby Demogorgon. okay obviously at the time he didn't realize it was a demo gorgon but are you fucking kidding me it, it, is there any is there anybody out there who did not realize that that was a demo gorgon you know what i mean like obviously come on <laughs> so when the episode happens where they kind of reveal when he when he sheds his skin and he mutates i i don't think anybody was like oh my god it's a demogorg what the fuck else would it have been i just thought that that was kind of silly how they played that i didn't think it was realistic at all that he would have brought that random creature into his house especially after what he had already been through and what he had seen I mean, the last weird looking unidentifiable creature that you saw tried to kill you, your friends, your family, everybody that you knew. So the next time you see one, you're going to bring it home and feed it. It just seemed like a bit of a stretch. Right. And not only that, I didn't understand the point of any of it, because to me, I was like, OK, it's a Demogorgon. It's going to somehow play a role in what the, the bigger picture. But I by the end of this thing I, I did it didn't seem like it did at all i mean there's a scene where they're in the junkyard trying to trap dart but then all of these other demogorgons show up so i don't know did he go and find the other demogorgons was that his job was it was it his job to go and summon them i don't think they showed that they didn't they didn't really explain any of that unless i'm missing something <laughs> so it just felt it just didn't feel right and once again you know and I've, I've mentioned this before in many different contexts. Uh, you know, for my Dragon Ball Super listeners, Dragon Ball Z listeners, I, you know, I, I mentioned this before that when you have a lot of something, it loses value. And that happens with the Super Saiyans. Okay. 
once Goten and Trunks became Super Saiyans, the, 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 it really kind of lost the rest of its value because it wasn't rare anymore, right? The more rare something is, typically the more valuable it is. So once they decided they were just going to have this army of Demogorgons, well, that kind of made the Demogorgon less significant. You know, meanwhile, back in season one, that was the iconic sort of creature of that year was the Demogorgon. Now you've got 30 of them. You know, it just doesn't have the same effect, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's scary to face 30 Demogorgons, but you can usually see all 30 of them running at you at once, right? But if there's just one and you lose sight of him for a second, there's something more frightening about that. Um, so I feel like they kind of they kind of watered down the Demogorgon's usefulness by by doing that. Uh, and not only that, this shadow monster, well, it couldn't really talk, I mean, or anything. So it didn't have much of a personality. It was nothing really, really learned about it, except for what we learned through Will when he was being possessed by it. So those are more problems that I kind of had with it, and, and, and just in terms of how that played out. Now, also, of course, you know, we're talking about <clears throat> new characters a second ago. You know, the Hawkins Institute or whatever. Now, uh, obviously, has a new person in charge. Was this was uh, Doctor Owens? I believe his name was played by Paul Reiser. Uh, there are new people now there that are in charge of this place. Everyone else, they they're believed to be dead. And from what we can tell, these people seem to be a lot more nice. <laughs> okay, because they just kind of come back. They kind of come in and, and, and take over things. But they're also kind of helping Will with all of his post-traumatic stuff. And he's going to see the doctor to talk about these episodes that he's having. Because throughout most of the first half of the season, he's just kind of having these episodes where he's just finding himself all of a sudden in the upside down. Um just seeing visions of this big scary ass shadow monster which i gotta praise the special effects department on that i mean obviously the budget was 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 uh, increased a lot for season two which stands to reason because season one was such a hit um so we get to see a lot more cinematic sort of things bigger scenes bigger set pieces uh bigger environments and obviously just sort of you know just just a bigger spectacle um so i thought that that was cool I thought that, that was that that was pretty good. We also get a good. I mean, we, we get we get a lot of just sort of um, you know uh, person on person action here too. I mean, <laughs> I think there's a couple of different fights that happen here. I mean, there's definitely there's certainly uh, some stuff between Steve and shit. I, see, I don't even remember his name now. The 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 brother, right? Max's brother, Billy. Billy, right? Um, you know, it, God, there's just something that really bothers, and, and I get it, it's supposed to bother you, right? But that guy was just such a dick, man. And it, it never even, <laughs> you know, there was never a reason for any of it either. I mean, you know, I was watching, uh, for those of you, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you've watched the entire second season, you know that once you do that, Netflix sort of automatically unlocks or reveals that there's a Stranger Things after show, um. So if you haven't seen that, you may want to check that out. It's it's nothing great, really. I mean, it, they don't really go into as much detail about the specific episodes as I think I would have liked. But there's a couple episodes there, and all the major people show up, with the exception of Winona Ryder, I think, um, in some form. Um, but I, I, if I'm not, if I'm remembering this correctly, the Duffer Brothers were saying something about how the character of Billy they they really just wanted a character who was sort of. Uh, 
I guess just a, a dick the whole time because where in season one Steve started off like that but he ended up not being like that so this time I guess they wanted a character like that and I get it because if you watch a lot of 80s movies there's usually a character like that <laughs> okay like they pretty much cover all the sort of tropes of the characters you know there's usually a character like that who's just kind of a dick to everybody for no reason whether you go back to like the breakfast club or like weird science or, or any of those movies like that there's usually a character like that um, the only thing is that he didn't affect anything. I mean, he just was a dick the entire time, you know, and you find out a little bit about him about in terms of, well, his his father was sort of aggressive. And I guess we were supposed to be like, oh, well, that's why he is the way that he is. But it didn't come across like that to me. You know, it came across to me that his dad was just reacting to him being an asshole, you know, and, and I, I think I think they were intending for the opposite effect to where we're supposed to be like okay this is why he is the way that he is but i didn't come across i didn't come away with that i came away with you know his dad it's not gonna put up with his shit and i was cheering for his dad i was like yeah slap the fuck out of him slap him again <laughs> but I, I don't think that that's what their intentions were so that was just kind of weird and also why are you why are you even taking the time to explain why the way why he is the way that he is when he doesn't affect anything he doesn't do anything that affects the story okay you okay you know what this this was this was billy's one contribution to the plot of this story <laughs> when he shows up at the wheeler's house not the wheeler's house the buyer's house with his car he per, they take his car and they use his car to go to the freaking pumpkin field okay so if you want to argue about it then i guess that was his contribution if he wouldn't have shown up there they wouldn't have had a ride <laughs> to get to the freaking place other but they could have they could have found another way these kids ride their bikes across town all the time i almost say they could have called an uber but of course it's in the 80s they couldn't do that um but yeah enough about that so one kind of, let's let's just kind of take another little final rundown of some of the things here because i want to make sure i covered all of the major sort of events that happened here obviously they've kind of been sort of flirting with this potential romance here between joyce and hopper um, of course, throughout most of the season, she's with Bob, but you know, you're, you can't help but get this impression the whole time that she's she's with Bob just because she feels safe with Bob, because Bob, Bob on paper is just like a good dude, you know what I mean? He just seems like a great guy on paper, and she just wants someone safe and reliable because she, her, her previous husband was a complete ass, and she just wants someone that who would be there for her and be there for Will. You know, you get that vibe throughout their relationship but then you also see that someone like hopper is probably more suited for her because they grew up together and they're kind of going through all this shit together and they both smoke and they both kind of rough around the edges and they're both kind of flawed you know so they kind of flirt with that throughout the season now nothing actually happens but it doesn't mean that it won't in the future uh, now obviously one you know i want to touch again on the we finally get the reunion between mike and eleven that we've all been waited, you know, damn near eight episodes to see. Um, and I, you know, I appreciated the moment. I mean, they did have a brief moment, a brief scene. Obviously, they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, dwindle. Is that the word I'm looking for? Dwell on it. <laughs> they couldn't dwell on it for too long because, well, there were some events that were happening after that. So we did get that. And that, that was pretty cool. You know, the real cool moment kind of came at the very end 
of of this of the season and that's when they're all at the dance right and this is where we kind of get our resolution and everything of course obviously 11 stops you know 11 stops the big bad using her telekinesis and stuff that, that reminds me i was very confused at how of of the extent of 11's powers this season right because in season one she was obviously telekinetic and she obviously had some telepathic capabilities but in season one in order to really use her to use her telepathy she had to be in a uh, a tank full of water with you know a, a deprivation tank tank of some sort and so you know they they put her in the kitty swimming pool and they used the salt to make her float and then she had to be blindfolded and everything so but in this season she didn't need any of that which i thought was strange because unless i missed something they didn't explain that they didn't explain why all of a sudden she didn't need any of that. I mean, I guess you could just assume, well, it's been a year. She's learned to hone her skills without that. But it, without any sort of acknowledgement or ex explanation of it, it just came out. Of, it just felt out of place because all of a sudden now she just needs white noise from a TV to do it. And then by the end of the season, she didn't even need that anymore. Because you remember correctly, when she was in that cabin, Hopper's cabin, she needed the TV to be on, white noise and stuff to do it. And then by the time she met up with her sister, number eight, she didn't need that anymore. Uh, so I just thought that that was strange because I didn't, I, I guess I just didn't catch the moments where she advanced herself enough to where she didn't need to do that anymore. But I don't know, just one of the many, th not many things, but one of the few things, one of the stranger things about the show <laughs> is that that kind of stuff didn't really seem to have any sort of explanation. Now, yeah, so once again, she obviously she ends up saving the day using her telekinesis. And well, there's not really an explanation of what she was doing, uh, how she was doing. I mean, I guess she just she just used her powers to close the gate. That's all we need to know, I guess. Just accept it. Just she don't break it down. Don't ask too many questions. She just closed the fucking gate uh, without much resistance. I might add, though. Now, there was a moment where some of the shadow smoke came out and tried to attack her. But you think there would have been more. And obviously, you know, Hopper was up there with a shotgun just knocking down the Demogorgons as they were climbing. Um, but I, I don't know. I think I just would have expected a little bit more resistance. Uh, but she showed a moment of great power there. Incredible power. So there's obviously an evolution here. She's becoming better with her telekinesis. She's becoming uh, better with her telepathy. And she also learned some stuff from her brief visit with her sister, um, quote unquote. So there's definitely some growth there. She hovers a little bit. So who knows? Maybe in season three, she'll be able to fly, right? <laughs> it's a matter of time before this thing just turns into X-Men. <laughs> it's getting closer and closer to X-Men or Dragon Ball Z. Uh, so that happens. So, that, you know, I mean, but we knew that that was going to happen. And it's just not a lot to talk about in terms of that, because most of the season just kind of building up toward that. And honestly, they spent a lot of time in the, in the final few episodes just trying to get information out of Will and trying to uh exercise him and i just felt like a lot of that stuff was was a lot and they spent probably more time on it than they needed to just kind of moving him from place to place and <laughs> it was just a lot of that shit uh but yeah so obviously we, we get everything wrapped up and everybody's you know safe quote unquote for the moment and uh you know and one of my favorite scenes of the, of the whole se season was you know they finally went to this dance this dance that ever since season one mike was talking to Eleven about, and they finally, they sort of finally got to go to it, um, which was cool, which was very cool, you know. And, and they are in, in a typical, once again, 
heavily influenced by 80s movies. I mean, 80s movies used to do this a lot. <laughs> Have someone go to a dance, be sitting there by themselves, and then their person walks in looking all cool and cute and dressed up and everything, and they have a moment. So we get a lot of that. But hell, man, even in that moment, they had me about to drop a tear because they have, they have the whole sequence where Dustin just can't get a girl to dance with him. You know, and, and at this point, he's learned a lot from Steve. Steve has become his, his older brother at this point. He's giving him a lot of tips on his hair and how to talk to girls and stuff. And he walks in there with just super confident. And these girls just still turn him down. And it, it broke my heart. It broke my fucking heart to see that. But, of course, Nancy was there. Her being the super cutie she is. As well as uh, just being a, a good a quote unquote good person. I don't want to say completely good because what she did to Steve was kind of fucked up. <laughs> I mean, I don't think her and Steve were completely broken up when she slept with Will, which once again, that's something that happened. I mean, obviously you guys have already seen it. I'm not going to talk about every single thing that happened, but I thought that that was still kind of weird, but she goes over and she gives Dustin, she dances with him. So sort of happy ending there. And their girl actually asked Will out to dance, uh, to, to dance. He does that. Of course, they had kind of been flirting around with the idea of Max and Lucas. So they get together. They kiss. I was so excited about that. So super cool that they would uh, do something like that, you know. Uh, and then, of course, Mike's sitting there. Eleven walks in. She's all dressed up. They finally get their moment. They get their dance. They get their kiss. And it just was a really cool, sweet way of ending this, 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 this series. Um but of course it wouldn't be stranger things if they didn't leave you feeling a little bit uneasy right so then the camera flips they they trend they they switch over to the upside down version of the school and we see the shadow monster just kind of lurking right above it right so that's kind of our setup for the next season um uh obviously you know well not obviously i don't think they've actually announced officially that there's going to be a season three yet but who are we kidding right i'm pretty sure this one probably got even more views than season one so you know i i, I don't i'm not sure what the reviews are like yet i think i'll start checking some of those out but all, all in all you know it was it was a good season two it was a good season two i mean it just it didn't it didn't capture me the way season one did but i'm not sure once again there's a lot of different factors that could have played into that um you know, there could be just the whole point of that. You know, usually the first seasons of things are more exciting because it's your first time seeing stuff. You're meeting everybody for the first time. You're getting to know the characters for the first time. So usually the second seasons are a little bit more disappointing with that. Not always, um, but that's kind of how I feel about it. Uh, and I think that's basically all I want to say about it. I think I touched on every, all the main stuff. So, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, whew. 50 minute review or so of stranger things season two um don't expect me to do a lot of this kind of shit um but that's not to say it won't happen again i mean it just has to be the timing right it has to be a good reason to do it, it has to feel right it just happened to be sort of perfect this time because i had just finished watching it it's halloween and we didn't have an episode of dragon ball super last saturday so it just seemed like it made sense for me to come on here and talk about it. And plus, once again, I was trying to give you guys some bonus fun stuff for Halloween anyway. Uh, so, yeah, if you enjoyed that, hell, once again, head over to iTunes, leave me a review. Leave me a review on whatever outlet you listen to, but I prefer 
iTunes, head over and like the page, facebook.com slash rock the dragon podcast. Still doing that giveaway. Nothing's changed there. I'm still thinking about changing it up, but we're getting closer and closer. I think I'm up to 93 likes now. So seven more likes. We'll be at 100. I can, I can announce that giveaway. Um, so yeah, don't hesitate to go over there and do that. Otherwise, guys, we will be back uh, in a couple days for episode, what is it? Is it 40? Sorry, I'm a little bit off now. It's either, <laughs> it's either episode 39 or 40 of, of Dragon Ball Super. So we'll be back in a little bit with that. Uh, so until next time, guys, for Rock the Dragon Podcast, a.k.a. Hawkins AV Podcast, Stranger Things. <laughs> I'm Tim Bridgewater, and I will see you next time.